Lovejoy, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, sorry, I was going to go into what I'm drinking, but we should probably say hello first, shouldn't we? So, hello! Hello. Hello. Welcome to Lovejoy, actually, a recap podcast about Lovejoy. Um, I'm Helen. Oh, I'm Em. And I'm Paul. We all sound a little bit strange this morning because we're recording in the morning. We're sober. So we should sound, Shouldn't we sound more with it in the morning? We should sound all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and sober, whereas we just all sound a bit dazed and confused. I'm not a morning person. I'm really, really not a morning person, so it's very confusing for me. And I've got a bit of a cold, so I'm, I probably sound a bit nasal. I'm just um, zhuzhing with the coffee zhuzher, a cold brew coffee. Because Ooh, I felt oh, like that might get me into like the usual vibe of being overexcited and at a Hindu. What's a coffee zhuzher? Is this that I bought from Lidl to zhuzh my coffee so I can have like a frothy, a frothy oh, coffee? Oh, frother, yeah. I yeah, feel like Lidl is sponsoring us, but it just doesn't know. Yeah. Lidl gets a lot of mentions. quite a lot of mentions. Well, the, mi- the middle of Lidl. Oh, the middle of Lidl. Middle of Lidl. Everyone loves middle. So, yes, yeah, this morning we're drinking caffeinated beverages. Yeah. So, Em's got cold brew coffee, very With, uh, And it's it's almond as well, so it's dairy-free. So, oh, just lovely. to go full... So, she can't snob me. Cold yeah. brew almond coffee. I've just got a normal cup of tea. With normal oh no, I've got strong black coffee. It is Colombian coffee that was sent to me. In so I'm doing this. I'm doing this freelance writing job at the moment, and they haven't actually paid me, but they did send me a hamper the other day, Ooh, which is rather nice. Yeah, luxurious <laughs> hamper. I know. Sorry, we haven't paid you. Here's some coffee. Here's some. We haven't paid you. Here's some. They sent me right. So the bizarrest hamper of stuff I got. They sent me some really posh Colombian coffee. Really nice coffee. Some incredibly dark chocolate. I think it was like eighty percent oh, dark. So really, really dark chocolate. And then they basically sent posh Nutella. So it was this sort of spread, but it had coffee in it as well as... So it was like Nutella with coffee. Um, and then I had... There was some caramel and coffee-flavoured popcorn, which was beautiful, I have to say. That was gorgeous. Um, the weird, weirdest good job, selection of stuff. Good job you like coffee. And imagine if you got that and you were like, I don't really like coffee. I don't like coffee. Yeah. I know, that would be a bit... Um, shall I talk about the cocktail, though? Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, so that's what we're drinking. But if you were going to drink an alcoholic beverage, Polly's got a cocktail. This is the most insane cocktail because it begins with... The, I've got to read this to you because I do not understand this. And if anybody does, great. It says, begin by making the aquafaba cloud. I understand what? that. Well, I know what, what the fuck yeah. is an aquafaba cloud? It's the, the, the in chickpeas, the water in chickpeas, if you... Zhuzh it up with your zhuzh. <laughs> um, right. It's, it makes like vegan egg white. It's like meringue. Well, you know, like the egg whites for that you use yeah. for meringue. So you can make I meringue. I see. It looks it. like a meringue. There's a brilliant video. I'll put it in the, the link. There's a brilliant video that goes on this. This is the most complicated cocktail so I've ever seen. So I'm guessing it's trying seen. to be vegan. You know, it's maybe like a vegan. Yeah. Yeah, rather than friendly. using egg. Yeah, so of using egg whites. Obviously, normally that would be what you'd use in a cocktail. Yeah. Um, so, so it's got all of, or maybe it's supposed, maybe it's trying to be, you know, appropriate for pregnant pregnant women, except for all the alcohol. Um, <laughs> no egg whites, but lots of alcohol. Uh, then it has grenadine, coconut flavored rum, tangerine juice, which I do love, uh, orange flavored rum, pineapple juice, lemon juice, vodka, I have a apple sh- apple <laughs> schnapps, and blue curacao. 
Wow. Sounds, I mean, is it meant to be all the colours of the rainbow? Because isn't it? Yes, called, it it's is. called Over the Rainbow. Because it's called Over the Rainbow because that's the exact title of the episode. And I thought, well, this is obvious this week. And then it says to assemble, add ice and edible gold dust for garnish. Oh yes, I just got out of my cupboard. Yeah, I've got some in little. <laughs> it's quite appropriate because it's it's sparkly, which I also thought was appropriate. And we will come to why later on in the episode. I think these through. You know, I don't just randomly go, oh, that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there you go. So that's. That's your, uh, that's your over the rainbow, but I'll, we'll, we'll put a link. Yeah. We'll put a link. I would like to say I quite enjoyed the the title is of this episode, and it's by Jeremy Paul, one of our favourites. It is. We it? like him. And um, the title is somewhere, comma, over the rainbow, and I quite like it when people do that. I quite like, I do like the ending of, yeah. ending a short story with and they lived, comma yeah. happily, comma ever after <laughs> instead of just somewhere over the rainbow no it is a, a nice use it. of grammar I, I don't know why he did that the, I didn't notice the comma I did creative grammar I like it yeah very very exciting so is this a series series six episode three somewhere over the rainbow um, do you want to know what UK TV plays say about it? We yes, do, please. definitely. They've got quite a lot to live up to for this episode, I feel. Well, so as usual, the general description is, you know, I mean, it's different every time. Give them that. But um, light-hearted drama. I mean, this one's not light-hearted. Like some of them no, are, it's this not. This is not, not, not at all. It's, it's really sad. So they've, they've clearly not watched it. It's like people on Facebook that whine about the headlines of articles or even without if, reading the articles. Yeah, and even if you only watch the first 30 seconds to get a flavour of it, it, st- it starts quite um, low-key and quite... Exactly. Sad. So, yeah. you know, they so, haven't even done that. So light-hearted drama with the antiques dealer and his band of scallywags. <laughs> Band of scallywags. I mean, I wouldn't say Beth and Charlotte were no. scallywags. I wouldn't say that. I, I would have said that would have been with. that would have been more appropriate three seasons yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's that's the general description, but not very accurate. And then the description of the episode: Tinker is behaving oddly, mm. ruining a deal for Lovejoy, and then vanishing. Oh, so that, I mean, that does oh, happen. Tink. That does happen. It does. So yeah, that's kind of what it's, what it's about today. So. Tink is a bit. He's a bit yeah, down. behaving oddly. Let's see. Let's see what that. Means. And I should say we will be talking about mental health a lot in this episode. At least I think we will. I'm guessing. But we, I mean, we're not... M definitely will. <laughs> yeah, but we're not mental health professionals. Uh, although we do have some insight because of our work, I suppose, and because of our insane mental health. <laughs> so I would say at least seventy five percent of this podcast is uh is uh, bonkers. So we do have some insight into how Tinker might be feeling, I feel at some Maybe point. we can put some links in the in the show notes to like actual mental yeah. health. Oh support. like the BBC action line. Yes. I guys, I've already written down some for the end. <laughs> so stick with us till the end. And hopefully if you are feeling a bit down, this episode will cheer you up. This episode of Lovejoy actually, because I'm sure we've got lots and lots of tangents uh to, to run off Fun. Yeah. If you have been affected by any of the issues raised in, in this podcast, <laughs> sorry, I stumbled over that. Beautiful, lovely. But, but we start off with Beth at a bus garage. I liked what oh, she yeah. was wearing. I thought that was actually quite contemporary, and then that made me feel even sadder <laughs> because I was like, "Oh, I'd wear that now." Well, we are now at the point where the fashion in Lovejoy has caught up. You know, is the now the fashion today? Because yeah, we have got this nineties thing going on in fashion at the minute. So yeah, it's pretty like you think they could be they could be now apart yeah. from the outdated technology and such other things. And it just it looks cold and miserable and she's waiting for a bus and she she looks really dejected. And uh, because Beth keeps running away, I was like, is she running away again? 
what's going on? Yeah, it was very confusing, wasn't it? And then we see Tink, so she's not looking very happy at the bus garage, and then Tink is not looking very happy at the pub. I've written, sad tinker in the three horseshoes. And then I'm just <laughs> glancing at my notes. And literally every time I've written that tinker is doing something, I've also written sad. So it says, oh. sad tinker in the three horseshoes. Sad tink is doing something else. Tinker is sad on a bridge. Sad <laughs> tink is looking at a side table. <laughs> I am... like, oh, okay. I don't need to keep writing down that he's sad. It, the... <laughs> I use a different word. I, I, I did a similar thing, but my word was forlorn. Ooh. Oh, that's a slightly better description as well. Whereas at one point, I, I, ra- I, I see you're forlorn and I raise you melancholy. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, he sat in the three. I, am I the only one who wrote down the pub? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, I wrote one. down three horseshoes. Literally, the first thing I wrote down in this episode was three horseshoes. Horseshoes, brackets, pub we've seen before, question mark? I don't think it is a pub we've seen before. And I wonder if he was there because he wanted to be somewhere where he wouldn't be seen or bothered by people and be on his own. Yeah. There's nothing nicer when you're feeling a bit shit to go and sit in a pub that where no one's going to come in and say, oh, you're in here. I quite yeah. like that. And go and have a big glass of wine and yeah. <laughs> mope, basically. Yeah. Have a mope. Tinker is having a mope in the pub. Then he goes back to his caravan yeah, and has and a mope. We see Beth get on a bus to Ipswich, so we don't know what's going on. We're like, where, where's she going? Where's she off to? Is she running away? Yeah, and I kind of thought, is he sad because of her? But then they're quite quick at coming in and he's in his caravan looking at some photos. So I was like, oh, I don't think this is to do Yeah, with he's looking at like old family pictures, you presume. Uh, all sort of black and white pictures of yeah, Little yeah. Tink, we think. Baby Aww. Tink. Aww. Although you don't know it's Little Tink because he's not wearing a beret. <laughs> <laughs> or, or a bow tie. No. Or any of those things. Aww. And then we see him. So yeah, then it's Tink looking forlornly into a river. Uh, on a bridge oh yes yeah tink sad on bridge you could put background music to this couldn't you and just have him in various places looking sad it's it's like a music video you know like oh and then the my woman left me yeah. and you just have like lots and lots of you have a montage of the person looking sad yeah, bless him what's interesting is tv as a medium used to be really about dialogue because film as a medium is about pictures and stuff and if you can write a film with the minimum amount of dialogue your film is probably quite successful whereas Mm. tv with not much dialogue like in the 50s 60s whatever would fall a bit flat because the screens were so small but i think there's 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 not been any dialogue up to this point and we're at least Mm. kind of you know, we're into the episode. Yeah, we're easily a couple of minutes um, in. It's and quite we know exactly. Well, we don't know what's going on, as in we don't know what the plot is, but we do know where we are with the characters, and we yeah. do, and it's just very cleverly done. Considering that I associate this? Jeremy, oh yeah, I didn't write it down. Considering that I associate Jeremy Paul with that good dialogue, and there is good dialogue in it. Don't get me wrong, but I just thought that was a brave choice. It's just a reflection it was. Is it, over the past, like probably from around this point actually onwards. TV was becoming more like film. Yeah. And people were expecting TV to be, you know, sort of the same quality as film and have exactly like you say, the sort of more cinematic feel, less dialogue, more about the production. And that's, you know, obviously continued up till now and it's kind of much more the case now, isn't it? That a good TV show is basically like a film. Yeah. So it's directed by a chap called Ian White, who actually directs several in this series. Oh. So he directs Guns N' Roses, which is coming up in a couple of episodes' time. There seem to be two directors that are kind of tag-teaming in this series, and then Ian McShane directs one in the middle. <gasps> oh. 
Ian exciting. McShane directs Last of the Uzcocks, possibly just because he wanted to direct his wife. Ah, uh, yes. She was like, I'm not doing it unless Ian's directing me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, it, it so was Tinker's very effective, on yeah. And then Charlotte pulls up in her car and offers him a lift. She's sort of like, what are you doing here, Tink? And he does, I think, he, well, we'd actually see him get in the car. He could just wander off, for, but I think he, it's implied that he does get in the car. Yeah, I, I, I suppose we should also say he's stood on a bridge, he's looking at the water, but he's actually got a foot on the railing of the bridge when she pulls up and she's like hey tink like and he doesn't answer her but he does kind of slowly turn around and he takes his foot off the railing Mm. and that made me kind of go oh my god what is going on here like what if she hadn't have turned up what was about to happen it was quite dark like immediately oh anyway yeah no it's kind of implied that you know he's yeah i mean although it's having said that, it's also like a bridge over a little river. Let's <laughs> yeah, he would, he, just, would, he, would, he would fall about into his he would knee. fall about eight feet or something. So I mean, this is true. I mean, it is, but but you know, it definitely is implied. Like, and we're saying, you know, kind of that he's you know, thinking, looking into the abyss or whatever. But it is like a little bridge over a little the abyss of a stream nine feet below. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we and then we see we see Lovejoy for the first time this episode. Yeah. Woo! Hello, hello, Ian. And and then Beth is with him, so we're completely confused. So Beth hasn't run away. And she's got on a bus to Ipswich. The next thing, she's just back with Lovejoy, and we don't know what's happening. So I was really confused. What happened in Ipswich? I was very confused. I was like, what was she doing? What happens in Ipswich stays in Ipswich. What's she doing in Ipswich? <laughs> it's like Birmingham. Mm. But basically, this is like what, what, what we learned that Tink has obviously, as well as being forlorn, has been kind of dropping the ball slightly at work. I think this this got to me this week because, well, first of all, it is it, we just happened, this was a coincidence, we happened to be watching this during Mental Health Awareness Week here in the UK. Mm. Uh, but also, I was having a shit week. Like, I was just having a week where everything I did just didn't quite go how I expected it to go and then I was blowing things up out of all proportion and getting really worried about stuff I didn't need to really worry about and just wasting all this like mental energy on it um and so when Lovejoy was like oh Tink's losing it I was like oh my god I'm tinkering this episode I'm gonna go stand on a bridge forlornly (laughs) it's like look at the abyss nine feet below me dribbling by (laughs) <laughs> um, but Beth, Beth was wearing a jean jacket with no sleeves, um, and I did actually mean to get mine out because I bought one about two weeks ago. So Helen's right. The yeah, it's definitely has... the fashion in Lovejoy now is is the fashion now. It's yeah. like it's it's so weird. It's like literally exactly the same. Do you know what's interesting about this? You could use these first few scenes in a training video, though, at work, because we have done all this sort of mental health training, and it's always things to look out for in your colleagues. You know, do they seem distracted? Are they underperforming in basic tasks where they would usually perform well? Can they not spot a false leg on a table? And previously, (laughs) a false leg would have been obvious. (laughs) Yeah. It's true, though. You're right. It's like the classic sign. So basically, yeah, Tinker is like, so he sold a low boy, so like a little side table thing, with a, with a that had a false leg and he hadn't noticed it had a false leg. And now the person's coming back wanting a refund. But obviously they don't have the money to refund them because they... Because they never the manage their finances properly. So, um, so, yeah. And then sort of, and then the reason Charlotte has picked him up is because she wants to him to value a marine chronometer. 
That's oh, yeah. basically because the owner thinks it's worth more than Charlotte does and she wants an opinion from Tig. But I think then Lovejoy is trying to imply, oh, you don't want an opinion from him because he doesn't know what he's doing at the minute. I don't know why, but I've written down a clock. That was really stupid. A marine chronometer is not a clock, is it? Well, well chronometer it's a does clock mean, on a ship. Well, chronometer means like time, time. measurer. Yeah. So I presume it is some sort of clock. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so Lovejoy kind of confronts Tig about all this. But he's really mean. He properly he has is. a go at him, doesn't he? So and this, I, would I not, this would be for the training video for what not to do. Yeah, it would. Exactly. Now watch the scene again. What does the person do? How would, have you ever done that training that's done with actors? And it's yes. like, right, stop the scene. Now, yeah. how would you have responded differently? It, but actually, you know what? And, and I'm not dissing Jeremy Paul because you needed this to make the episode work. It did seem a bit out of character for Lovejoy. The, the one thing that I thought, actually, and he does touch on it a little bit later on, the one thing that I thought was sometimes people, when they're well... Do respond to you being a bit like, pull your finger yeah. out for God's sake. He's saying so pull yourself together, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, if it's worked in the past with yeah. Tink, and Which that's maybe done. what Tink would do to Lovejoy, then maybe Lovejoy's like, okay, well, this is what I do every time he goes a bit rogue. I'm going to do this. But it's just really badly judged. The other yeah. thing that occurs to me is that he might think it's to do with Tinker's drinking, which has been more than heavily implied is a problem. Mm. And he is effectively trying to do the tough love thing almost like you know what this is actually damaging your job yeah. snap out of it yeah and it's not just his job is it so we find out what was going on with the bus thing so basically tinkered said he would take beth to an exhibition oh, in yes. braintree and he just didn't turn up so that's why she was she was forlornly waiting for the bus on her yeah. own so he hasn't it's not just his professional life it's his personal life too yeah but he is very very it was a bit of a mystery why he's being so harsh I mean, i agree it's maybe that's what's worked in the past but it, it was, was a bit. I, I and, felt it went a bit far. And Tink, poor yeah. Tink, poor Tink hides in the toilet to get and away. And then all yeah. Lovejoy does is just raise his voice so that Tink. He, so he. So Tink's in the in the loo, but Lovejoy's still talking about him really, really loud because he knows he can hear him. Like, oh, he's slipping. He's losing it. Like, at this point in the video, I would say. Maybe he should be more kind and tap gently on the toilet door and say, are you all right, old chap? But again, it is so much like working in that you could just imagine somebody going and locking themselves in the loo. That is that is very much a thing that <laughs> I'd happens I'd just like in... to say, wherever I've worked, I've had to lock myself in the toilet. <laughs> it hasn't mattered on the sector. It, it, isn't it? It's a very sort of... Um, yeah. I don't know. It's a non-confrontational thing to do, isn't cliche it? Cliché thing to do, but not that you'd necessarily expect from a, a sort of elderly antiques expert in the 90s. <laughs> I have to say, though, apart from being very mean to Tinker, Lovejoy is looking quite sexy in this scene. He really is. <laughs> well, I... Clearly, I care care deeply for Tink because I didn't notice. Um. So yeah. So then, so then obviously Tink goes off all upset, and they, it's just very, very sad. So later on, Beth goes to Tink's caravan. But I don't think he's there. She just goes to see if he's there, but he's not there. And yeah. And then mean in the meantime, the buyer of this low boy with the false leg comes back again. He's obviously been on the phone, but now he actually turns up with the thing, and it's like yeah. you know. And he's. I mean, I is he meant yeah. to be French? I'm not sure. I mean, it was a very strange accent. He had an accent that he had. Do you know, Somebody said, look, European. just do foreign, just do European. Do European. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he's, and he's very unhappy. And um, Lovejoy tries to assuage him because um, obviously he's bought this low boy for two grand and Lovejoy's like, I'll give you 800 yeah. Like, mm, okay. It's like, well, Lovejoy's, Lovejoy's, isn't Lovejoy's point like, well, you know, you didn't spot it either until, you know, later and actually you bought it in good faith and 
all of this. I mean, yeah, it really it's, I, it's not like Lovejoy. it was a deliberate. It's not like Lovejoy's made a false leg and stuck it on. This is genuinely no. a bit. Of and a if mistake. he had, he would have signed it. Yeah, so it's all right. <laughs> so it would have been all right. And Lovejoy makes the point that the the dealer can still sell it for fifteen hundred, so he can still make yeah. money even with yeah, the eight hundred. Exactly. So you know, he's trying to sort of. But then, as he's in the middle of this kind of deal, um, Beth comes back. You know. Saying, I'm really worried about Tinky, he's not in his yeah, caravan. He's not in his but caravan. The thing is, I mean, I was kind of a bit, I mean, I know they're worried about him because obviously he's been acting strangely and now he's not there, but surely he would not be in his caravan, you know, quite a large percentage of the time. He'd be yeah. out at work or at the pub. But know. not if they don't know where else he is. He isn't at work. Yeah. He and didn't he, pick her up. He's it might not be the best spin around the pubs as well to check. Like, it wouldn't be weird for her to go around and have a look for him, would it? That's true. Or, or, you know, pop into all the locals on the way. I just, I'm laughing that I've written down Beth and Lovejoy and sad music go to Tink's caravan. <laughs> the music was very <laughs> the good. The music was great in this episode, actually. Because, well, first of all, actually, seeing about the going around the pubs, because actually, maybe that's what they decide to do. Because, firstly, we do see them at the pub. Um, and the, the big story is that Tink was there, but then he left and he left his drink. Yeah. All I wrote for this bit. And I can't even remember the context, but I've written, the landlord says, very unique. I hate it when people say very unique. He says, Tinker leaving a drink, it's a very unique item. And I immediately wrote down, Polly is going to go insane. Oh, it's not unique. (laughs) It can't be very unique or quite unique. Oh, anyway. But yeah, his abandoned G&T is a... unique occurrence for Tinker which, su- which probably is unique rather than yeah yeah probably is he's acting out of character unique. yeah 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 so um they're very confused now they're like he's not in the pub he's not at work he's not in his caravan so they're they are getting quite concerned and obviously they've Lovejoy's probably feeling a bit guilty now for having a massive go at him oh so he should yeah um, so he should so and then they decide to break into the caravan and, and Beth's also called Charlotte who now turns up so they all break in and they're looking for, well, so Beth thinks he might have left a note, but I think, and it's implied that, isn't it, does she, you know, that she might mean a suicide note rather than yeah, a note I saying... Yeah, I mean, what, what is, other note would it be? Well, it, it is definitely note, implied. Well, it could just be a note saying, I've gone away for a few days, I need some time to... I think yeah. the, the thing that was really, really sad about this was um, a little while ago, one of my friends did this, did a tink, um, and we couldn't get into her flat and we were trying to like break in and then we were like, we're going to have to call the police, do a welfare check, because we just couldn't get in. So the police came around, funnily enough, with a crowbar and we got in um, and she'd left photos on her bed. So Tink has left photos oh. where he'd been looking at things and kind of reminiscing about the past. Um, and it was just really strange. Like, my friend was fine. She just needed some time out and to not be you know, around or whatever. Anyway, but it just really kind of, I thought it was very well observed that this Mm. is something that people do in real life. They get into a bit of a spiral. They start ruminating and reminiscing about things and just things escalate. And I could see why Beth was like, maybe he'll have left a note. Yeah. So, But Lovejoy does seem quite uncomfortable that they're there sort of invading Tink's privacy. And I suppose Tink is quite a private person, which obviously is a theme. Yeah. In the episode, yeah. He but... he actually says chaps like to keep things private. Lovejoy says. Yeah. Well, Lovejoy, do you've Charlotte, and I know we're we're leaping ahead, but Charlotte covers this brilliantly later on, and you realise, and, and maybe I'm saying this too early in the episode, you've got two 
really quite damaged human beings in Lovejoy and Tinker, haven't you? Because yeah. you've got, you know, there's Lovejoys like no Mr. Just Lovejoy. No one knows what his first name is. No, no one, one knows really about knows his family. Anything about his family. He alludes to things, but, you know, he's, he's like, the only thing everyone knows is that he's been to prison, whereas actually he's classically educated, all of that. And Tinker, similarly, you know, we found out about him before that he wasn't a major you know, yeah. he was only a corporal. So his whole life is this sort of mystery that he's deliberately spun to make himself, I guess, um, I don't think to make himself look interesting. I think to make himself impenetrable. Yeah. So as and a they've bit both of a done screen. that. They've yeah. both done the same thing. I know maybe I've said that too early, but it, it is interesting. I've written here, Charlotte is very good and beautiful in this scene because Charlotte's kind of saying, you know, you're his you're one of his best friends. Like, wh- why can't you figure out what's yeah. going on? Do you guys not talk? And Lovejoy's like, that's just not how boys are. Oh, shut up, Lovejoy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you, I mean, do you think that's true? Yeah, I think... I mean, boys, aren't, there's a reason that even now... We're 25 years after this episode, and there is still a massive campaign. Whenever you have sort of mental health awareness stuff, it is increasingly focusing on men. Yeah. And men. I actually they, meant to look up the statistic, and I forgot, but suicide is a huge... Um, danger, that's not the right word. And sort of early middle-aged men, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's sort of men in their 30s and 40s, and it is because I think they have a view of... Uh, not all men, of Not all, not, hashtag, not, not all, all men. men. <laughs> um, no, traditionally, men have a view that, you know, they're meant to fulfil certain roles of, like, provider, and they're meant to do this, that, and the other, and they're meant to be well-hard and not show emotion, which is nonsense. And also, if you um, know any um, men, they're not like that at all. Like, I don't well, think you're like that, men listening. Are... I think you're all just pretending. And I think on a more superficial level, men don't perhaps talk so much about, like, their feelings and their emotions about things, and they perhaps don't know all the details about their friends, like, lives and history and yeah. whatever. Like, with Tink and Lovejoy here, I thought that's quite realistic, that they could be friends for so long. I think so. And not yeah. know these things about each other. I, I didn't... I thought, yeah, I think there are... Not all men. Yeah. I think it's different. I think it will be different in maybe a generation's time because I see at school now with my son, like all through primary school, they have circle time every morning. They talk about their feelings. They talk about what they're concerned about, what they're worried about. Mm. Um, it's <laughs> Just imagining my dad's response. Circle bloody time. What the bloody hell's that? Yeah, Sorry, carry exa- on. <laughs> but I think, well, that's a per- perfect example, though, isn't it? I think we've had, mm. you know, hundreds of Absolutely. years of going, we don't talk about this because it's, it, well, in England anyway, we don't talk about this. It's really embarrassing. And if you feel like shit, you just need to shut up and get on with it. And the problem yeah. is you can only go so far until you can't get on with it anymore. Keep calm and carry yeah, on. Yeah, without having some help. And, um, yeah, it is. It, it, you're right, though. It is realistic that Lovejoy doesn't know masses about Tink because Lovejoy has never shared, uh, one presumes, masses about his life with Tink. So, it, you know, when you have friends that you've shared a lot with, it tends to be reciprocal. Like, I've got some friends who are super private and they don't know mm. much about me and I don't know much about them. But we're and then friends. you've got me and we know everything. And then, yeah, about and, one and then there's us. <laughs> 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 So yeah, so so they so yeah, so they're they're looking at they're in Tink's caravan looking at the pictures and some of them are postcards actually as well and they find yeah. one particular postcard to well to Archie from yeah. Olive. So they then deduce. I mean, they you know decide straight away that Archie must be Tinker's name. I mean, it's not necessarily the fact, is it? But I mean, it's a fair assumption. But... Isn't it funny? This this almost goes back to the fashion thing that I think of the name Archie as being a little baby's name. 
Like Archie is such a little boy's name now, but yeah. in the nineties, it absolutely would have been. Oh no, it was an, an old, old man's an old name. Man's old chap's name. name. Yeah. yeah, little Archie. Oh, Archie. So, so Archie. I can't believe I didn't write down exactly what the postcard says. Basically, to Archie, here I am in Big Brion Sea, and here I shall stay from Olive. Yeah, <laughs> it's a bit sort of... so. I have been to Big Brion Sea, and one thing I do want is to point out place? is. It's a real place. I want place. to go so much. We should go, chat. It's a real place and it's absolutely beautiful. It looks lovely. We, I've never heard we, of it. No, it's gorgeous, but it's tiny. It certainly doesn't have a railway station because I think in a minute we see a railway <laughs> station yeah. and that is not a thing. I think that's why I thought it wasn't real because I was like, I'd, I'm quite a nerd. I would know if there was a big well, that, railway station. That's what I <laughs> no, thought as well, you know. It's a tiny little village. There's Big Bree and then there's Big Bree on Sea and it's near to Sulcombe where they make they the ice cream. They Sulcombe, mm. don't they? Which they mm. mention. And it's absolutely beautiful because it's in this little bit where the 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 river joins the sea so you can kind of swim in either bit of it and there's a oh, sort of estuary. Lovely. It's really beautiful. And then Burr Island, yeah, is a real place with a massively uh, chequered, in, interesting history, which they cover completely accurately here, which I thought was fantastic. And a little bit daring, really, that they included all these things from these real people. But yeah, Big Bear on Sea, the, the beaches are, are beautiful around there. There's lots of little caves and ah. it's, it's a gorgeous place. It's, it's somewhere where, probably not this summer, because everybody's going to be holidaying in the UK. Yeah. Maybe next year, Helen, it would be a good yeah. place to take your kids. I think we should gorgeous. all go. It, we should all it go. Sounds absolutely lovely. Field trip. I'm so excited. I didn't realise it was all real. I feel very yep. that's so exciting. That makes it so much more exciting. So I mean, so I because I was like, oh, because because then obviously, so they they um find the postcard, and then I mean, basically what what I loved about this episode was, in a way, the pace was quite slow. Like you mm, know, yeah. sort of like oh, you know, here we are in Tink's caravan. We're looking at stuff. We're talking about it. There wasn't. But it was. But on the other hand, it was really there was real intrigue because you were really yeah. like wanting to know what has happened to Tink. So yeah, I, I felt yeah. like it was it was just really well done in terms of like the the plotting and the pace. I really loved it. Yeah, it was well done. But yeah, so Lovejoy. Yes, yeah, so he goes to Big Brion Sea. So at this point, I didn't because I didn't know it was a real place. I was like, oh. This it, where he is looks lovely. That's what, exactly what I've said. It like, looks lovely. I was like, "What's the? It is lovely." What, I was like, "Where are they?" I just wondered where they'd actually filmed it. Like, where is this beautiful place? But I presume they actually filmed it in Big Bree on sea. Yeah. If if it's a real place, I am. Um, I I would like to say I've got a suggestion for the title of this episode because mm. Lovejoy dashes off now to Big Bree on Sea. Does he tell anyone he's doing that? Or say that that's an idea that he's had and he'll be in Big Brew and say, no. So Beth goes to Charlotte to say that now Lovejoy's vanished as well. And all I've written down in my notes in massive letters is, men! Yes! <laughs> I'm so proud! It, is so I loved, it would have taken 20 seconds to ring Charlotte and is, say, the... I think I know where Tink is. I'm going to go and check it out. Don't worry about me. I'm yeah. fine. That is the oddest thing, actually, about this episode, isn't it? Why doesn't he tell them that he's gone there? Because then, like you say, they're worrying about him as well as Tink. It doesn't make any sense because obviously if he, did, if he didn't want them to go with him, he could have like when he got there, he could have rang them and said, I'm "Yeah, here. Least, you know, yeah, very odd." Anyway, so um, I did quite like Lovejoy's line of, "You know someone really well, and all the time they're called Archie." <laughs> I quite <laughs> like. He was born wearing that beret. <laughs> yeah, quite like that one. <laughs> oh bless! But then, um, because th- there's a lovely drawing of Tink that's been done, and I actually assumed that Lovejoy had done it. I but think we find Beth. out that it's Beth, don't we? Mm. Yeah. But when I first saw it, I thought that uh, Lovejoy joins. They've got this beautiful picture of Tink, which is very helpful, obviously, when they're trying to find him. 
So yeah, so we went Lovejoy in Big Brie on Sea, decided to go to the police. So quite quite out of character for Lovejoy. <laughs> I felt like this was, or not quite casual racism because it's not a different country, but they just want to show Devon as this bumbling... Yeah. yeah. Which, given that they're from Suffolk, is not exactly... You know, yeah. If you're playing on regional stereotypes, they, 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 they play Devon a bit like they do years later in Hot Fuzz, this idea of this sort of bumbling village where very little happens. I was quite surprised that the police officer was actually bothering to sort of pay attention to Lovejoy and and write down who'd gone missing. Because I was thinking, if you went to a police station and said, "Um, my my friend's uh, gone missing, I think that they're here, oh, they're an adult, uh, they're an adult man. The, surely the police officer would say, "Well, they're within their rights to go missing." Yeah, that's sir. Their, their problem. I'm not going to investigate that. <laughs> come back when you've got some proof that some harm has come to them. I don't. I think. Yeah. I think you know, a missing person. You can be a missing person. You know, at any age or sex. I think as long as you're missing and no one knows where you are and can't get in touch with you. I think as well. This police officer had nothing else to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you might be right. I don't, big, I don't see Big Brionce as being a hotbed of crime. So, um, no. <laughs> I think I think you know he was kind of humouring Lovejoy, but it was I was hilarious because he decides to go to report Tink missing at you know there because obviously that's where he thinks he is, and oh he describes Tink and it's absolutely hilarious, especially like the clothes because obviously Tink, oh, yeah. Tink always wears the same clothes, so he describes them like in so much detail. It's like and a tweed jacket with a yellow and brown and blue check. So it's like it's like literally every detail. And the police officer's like, this is very precise. I think the policeman was a complete dick to him, though. I really do. Because actually, I hate to say it, but if I, if I was a... And again, this is probably stereotyping, but if I was a police officer and then saw that picture... Because doesn't the police officer say something like, oh, yeah, the circus came through here last week? Yeah. If I was a police officer and saw that picture, I'd think, you know what, this is clearly an eccentric man who... Perhaps this is why they're worried about him because yeah, he's yeah. not quite. Um, I wasn't going to say not quite all there because he obviously he is, but this is clearly someone who's eccentric and therefore potentially has a few issues. And yeah. they're worried about him because he's not necessarily. He, uh, he, they, he's never gone to Devon before, as far as we know, and he's never yeah. gone off on a whim and not kind of told them. Not oh well, maybe when he joined the monkery, but the monkery, yeah, yeah. So it's quite. So then he then he's like. Okay, that's not gone anywhere. So he decides to go, where else can I find it? More tink? sensibly, goes to the pub. Yeah, where else can I find it? <laughs> in the pub. And then he's... So he sees a tinkerer like. <laughs> he sees someone who's, like, who's got tinker's clothes on. And um, it's quite hilarious. Then obviously he realises that this person has bought tinker's clothes from the charity shop. <laughs> I mean, that that is unlikely i felt that yeah. someone would go oh god you know what? i've always been, been missing in my for. life <laughs> yeah. a tweed suit and buy the whole outfit you know every item and buy the whole outfit yeah exactly um, then i've written down no other information about the next scene but helpfully or unhelpfully i've written down a very 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 good scene in a charity shop and then I've written nothing else, so I don't know it's why it's because I he grabs so this good. poor chap, demands to know where he bought the clothes from, and then to, how much time is meant to have elapsed between Tinker r- rushing off to Devon and Lovejoy following him? Because it, it, by the time he gets there, he, it sounds like everyone knows who Tinker is already. Well, they say that he's bought the clothes the, the shop the day before, the previous day. Yeah. But, and Tink but, but, can't drive, can he? So presumably he's had no. to get a train well, on the, the train to Big Brion Sea. They built a station especially for him. hours to get to Devon. 
you know, oh, yeah, it's you far. go to Exeter St. You'd have to go to London, then to Exeter St. David's, and then or Plymouth. No, you go to Plymouth. Places. It's yeah. a long journey, basically. Yes, like you say, somehow, because then he goes to speak to a fisherman. I mean, again, it's st- so The fisherman Devon. is hilarious. <laughs> he says, yeah. sometimes they don't come ashore for days, the bodies. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, no. oh, wow, okay. On the, one, on, the <laughs> one hand, it, on the one hand, it's funny, but on the other hand, you do it's have really this sort dark. of underlying threat of suicide all the yeah. way through this. Yeah. I wonder if Jeremy Paul was going through some shit when he wrote this. He didn't realise, but he was working it through on the page. But again, I'm not sure how... And I don't remember when I was was a teenager, so everything was very sort of skewed in my head then anyway, but how common it was to have something that basically looked into somebody's emotional damage. Because we do, a little bit later on, Mm. when we find out why he's gone there and what happens, and he he ends up talking to uh, Olive. Lovejoy ends up talking to Olive, and you realise why. This is actually quite a deep insight into someone's kind of... Yeah, personal state and I think of mind. because because we've got all the way through into series six, we're able to do that now. If that makes sense with these characters in particular, because all the setup and and the stuff around understanding what the characters like has all all the groundwork's been laid. So now we're able to do this kind of deeper, uh, yeah, not interrogation. That's not the right word, but this deeper like inspection of someone's character and why hmm. they are the way they are. And I just think, yeah. It was it was great. I really really like this episode. Anyway, sorry, I do. tangent. Um. So yeah. So the, the fisherman directs him to the island, but I because so again I was like I've got so clueless. I was like, Barbara Island, is that real? It looks yep. nice. It yeah. is just lovely. What a, oh, what a lovely island I've written. I like that the fisherman mentioned Agatha Christie as well because of course yes. that's what she did. Exactly what Tink's done. Just yeah, fuck off and don't tell anyone where you are. She and did then that quite really a bit, though, didn't she? Didn't she run away to Istanbul at some point or oh, Alexandria or somewhere? She she ran away a lot. Yeah, poor old Agatha. I'm going to look this up while we're talking. Anyway, yes, sorry. I quite enjoyed the English Riviera swing jazz on the island as well because I used to go down to a place called Sheldon in Devon to mm-hmm. go to um, jazz weekends, trad jazz weekends with my in-laws. Um, and it was exactly the same, like just the nice little, the swing jazz version of the Lovejoy theme tune, this lovely hotel, it's like Art Deco Hotel. Can I oh. read you the weirdest thing? What? In 1926, Agatha Christie disappeared for 11 days. The famed murder mystery writer was in the midst of a painful divorce from her first husband, Archie. <gasps> No! He must have known he did it on purpose. Yeah, he must have done. He must have done. How did we, how did I not know that? Wow, that's incredible. Well done. Oh, well done, Jeremy Paul. I do like an Easter Very, very good. And they think that she was having a nervous breakdown. I think she, yeah, uh, yes. (laughs) I agree. So there we are. Anyway. So Lovejoy goes to Borough Island and he goes into a a spooky pub. Oh, yeah. And there's a lovely dog as well. But it's like, it's closed at the time. And I was like, is this a derelict pub? I'd written, it's like, yay, a dog. Oh, doesn't have human name is all I've written here. All I've written is a nice dog. I don't have the words to explain how much I want to go on holiday. Good dog. Good dog. <laughs> oh, yeah. It did make you want to go on holiday, didn't it, this episode? Definitely. So, yeah. And then, I mean, it's ridiculous. And we go back to Beth and Charlotte, who are also, like, now worried about Lovejoy, as we've said. And then, like, one of them says, or someone says, he's probably lost his phone card. So, oh, so, <laughs> I totally missed that. Oh, phone so cards. off the time, I was like, "Oh, phone God. card." God, so yeah, yeah, phone card, brilliant. Oh, so yeah, so they're panicking about where Lovejoy is now, and then Lovejoy, yeah, goes to the hotel, the nice Art Deco 
hotel and there's an old geezer there called Roger with a model yes. with his model railway. So it's not model train. It's set. not a trad Aww. jazz weekend. It's a model train weekend. Roger played by Richard Vernon, who the whole way through I was like, what is he from? Um, and he's in A Hard Day's Night. He's the grumpy man on the train <laughs> right at the beginning. Who says, who says, I fought the war for your sort. And oh, Ringo yes. says, I bet you're sorry you won. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. He wants them to turn their radio off because they're playing their scene. music too loud. I just, love that scene. You know, just like now. Um, yeah. But he's much, obviously much, much older in this and he's quite yeah. a, an elderly. I've just written down a confused man. Roger. Yeah. And then Olive appears and she's wearing a really lovely dress. Yeah. Olive, uh, Olive, here is a bizarre fact about Olive, which will mean nothing to you guys, but I was quite excited. I, I was trying to work out if I'd seen her in anything. I looked her up. I hadn't. She's played by a woman called Ursula Howells. She was Herbert Howells' daughter. Herbert Howells was a composer, and I've sung lots of music by Herbert Howells because he, he wrote for um, sort of church choirs a lot. I've oh, got a really go. good fact about her. Which is that she is in um, the episode of Midsummer Murders. I'm pretty sure it's the crop circle ones. The Electric Vendetta, which Ooh. was written by Terry Hodgkinson. Aww. It's all connected. Excellent. All anyway, Olive. That's a much yeah. better fact. <laughs> so yeah, so Ol- so Olive is so Olive and Roger are husband and wife, and um, Lo- Ol- Lovejoy doesn't say anything to Olive. Like he doesn't sort of ask her anything. Which is a bit bizarre. He's got all the way there to find Archie, but. He doesn't immediately, and I know he's probably thinking he'll warm her up or something, but yeah. equally he's quite concerned about Tink, so mm. he doesn't immediately ask her anything about Archie. He actually just goes off, like, looking for him. He just goes and... What, the dog's still hanging around with him. He just does some moody walking around the island. Past a, past a canoodling couple. In the long grass, <laughs> yeah. There was something a little bit 1940s about that, sort of canoodling in the sand dunes sort of thing, wasn't it? <laughs> Um, and then the sound of harmonica drifts across the island. Oh yeah! Oh, which rouses Lovejoy to go down and have a look at the beach and what's going on. And there is Tinker. And I didn't know if this was like a call back to something or something that we should recognise or some sort of English thing that we should know but we don't know. Where Tinker is on the prow of a boat playing the harmonica <laughs> in a big black cloak. You know, well, like it's a bit monkish, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, we know he plays harmonica because wasn't he playing it all the way to? There was some yes. one of the one of the trips that they did. He was playing his harmonica. Mm. Yeah. So so Lovejoy has found him and he's all right, but he's obviously still melancholy. Yeah. And so he's all right, but he's quite. How does Lovejoy describes him when he talks to Charlotte? Doesn't Lovejoy describe him as quite fragile or something? Yeah. He's, he's he's clearly there's something. He's not you know a well bunny. And yeah. um, basically, you know, he explains to Lovejoy that he was really upset by what he said. Yeah. Unsurprisingly, he looks Tink looks so different in his in not in his clothes, like in yeah. clothes. <laughs> yeah. So used to seeing him in the exact same outfit at all times. He just looks so different without his beret, especially. Yes. I've written down here, I think Olive's his sister, and then almost immediately we discover Olive's his sister. Olive's his sister. Like, oh, well oh, okay. done. <laughs> well done. Very clever. Um, I, I don't know what made me think that, though. And this was where they're having this kind of heart-to-heart, and Tink's like, oh, you've upset me. He loved her. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. And and it 
goes back to what Charlotte said about how do you not know this stuff about each other? Because mm. Lovejoy says, well, you, you never told me about... It must be about Olive, I guess. And Tinker's like, well, you never asked me. <laughs> but why would he ask you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he might it's... ask, oh, have you got brothers and sisters? That's quite a normal question yeah. to ask. It is a yeah. normal You wouldn't question, say, yeah. have you got a long-lost sister in Devon who you've... <laughs> not, not seen for 30 years. years. Yeah. You yeah. might say, have you got... Years any siblings yeah that. that's not that unusual they but have yeah. some good cocktails here as well they do have some oh yes they do well which lovejoy is not impressed with but yeah basically they can't stay at the hotel because it's model train weekend so the hotel is full um but they can go for the black tie dinner um but basically um tink explains that part of the reason he's come to see olive is because she's in debt 30 or 40 yeah, grand in debt. So. Because this is Roger's model train hobby that he loves. So all the enthusiasts who come to stay to, to do the kind of conference, um, they're not they're not paying the bill. They're, like, they're kind of coming on mates rates or not mm. paying at all. Here again, I've written in capital letters, men! <laughs> so, <laughs> so cross by this point. But this is, I mean, this is, this is where it becomes a bit more of a typical Lovejoy plot where Tinkle's like, oh, well, I thought I'd come down here and see if there's anything valuable mm. in the hotel mm. that they can sell to pay off their debts so that's a bit more of a classic um, yes. love story plot yeah um and charlotte's now having a bit of a panic because she can't get the marine chronometer for the oh, yeah. to for the guy who's putting it into the auction he he wants to to get it because he's got a buyer but tink's gone off with the key so she can't get it out of its lockbox or whatever so when lovejoy rings her She's like, listen, I'm coming. I'm coming to get the key or whatever. Yeah, so finally Lovejoy does call Charlotte. So he does think eventually, oh, maybe I should probably call them and stop them worrying about me. But then look, Charlotte's just even more stressed out at this point because now she needs the key. And Charlotte does ask Tink about it, but he just kind of goes, because he is feeling quite fragile. And when you're in that state and people are making demands on you, it, you yeah. do just feel like, no, nothing. I don't want anything else to worry about. I, I yeah. completely... When they're on the phone, he basically says, enough, I can't do this anymore. I've had enough of this. This conversation stressing yeah. me out. I thought, God, I've been in that position so many times. I was in that position this week. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is why, I think before we before we watched it, Polly said, oh, Em, you're going to cry at this one. And I just didn't because I was just watching it in this state of like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, next scene. <laughs> I just was just identifying too hard with Tinker. Um, but then I cheered up because there's a ghost in the pub. There's a ghost in the pub, isn't it? So I guess this is real history now. Then. So Tom Crocker, the smuggler, haunts the pub, the little cosy pub. Yeah, that we thought was derelict, but it turned out it was just not, not, not open. You know, but it's just not open, but, Yeah, not, not open, but the door was just open so anyone could just wander in. Um, and at this point, I also cheered up because the sexiest man appeared, Jake, mm. who owns Punch the dog. Um, and he kind of did all the exposition about the smuggler in the pub and the secret buried treasure, but it, there's not really. And, and there's yeah. like a face in the fireplace, so in the stones, there's like a, a face, and that is Tom Crocker's face, the ghost mm. yeah, in the like... fire. Yeah. He was a real chap, Tom Crocker. It's a real. Really? Um, yeah. Oh my god! Tom Crocker was a renowned smuggler who was reputedly based on Burr Island. Wow! 
And listen to this, right? This gets better. Uh, it says, little is actually known, uh, little is actually known for certain about his character, although many rumours persist. The Pilchard Inn is supposed <gasps> to have been his favourite haunt and wow. headquarters for his various exploits. That's so cool. If we don't go there on holiday next year, I'm going to be uh, very This excited. is all absolutely, saying. and all these places exist. This is all, this is all real. Uh, this is brilliant. Yeah, it is amazing. So, I mean, the, and the guy in the pub is a hottie. That is also true. He's beautiful. But, yeah. Christopher so, Gard is the name of the actor. Very nice. There you go. So, so they're so they're having a nice chat in the pub, and then Charlotte is getting more and more worked up about this key. So she's like, "Fine, I'm going to go and get it," but she doesn't actually know where they are. So Lovejoy hasn't told her where they are at this point. He just said, "I found Ting." Yeah. So she doesn't know. I mean, they're literally what? I mean, it must be a good five hours drive. Easily. I imagine she speeds. She's driving the sort of woman who speeds. It's like a long way. She doesn't know where they are. She'd definitely have had to have stopped at a couple of service stations. Yeah, so she's like, (laughs) I'm going to go and get the key. It's like, we'll find Charlotte, but you don't actually know where they are. Anyway, Mm -hmm. and then in the meantime, we see um, Tink and Lovejoy stumbling back from the pub. I've written, I wish I was drunkenly walking into trees in the English Riviera and shouting. (laughs) (laughs) You can drunkenly walk into trees in West Norwood. It's not the same. I want to be on holiday. Shout out out Charlotte's luggage, by the way, when she furiously got into her car. She had some beautiful beautiful Louis Vuitton luggage. Yeah, of course she does. I mean, because they say, and obviously Tink starts telling him about the hotel, but he does say, oh, Agatha Christie came here Mm. and she was inspired by the place. I mean, is that true about this place then? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the the hotel. If you look up, oh, we've got so much to put in the um, show notes in yeah. the show notes here because the Burr Island Hotel was basically. I mean, Noel Coward and people went there. It was the place. I mean, you just got to look at the architecture. Yeah. It was the place. I've I've got the link open on my screen. So I, I, what was I going to say? I'm just looking at it now, going, oh my god, I want to stay here, but it's massively expensive. <laughs> but yeah, the the history. It was one of the places in the the 30s, and Lovely. sort of the great and the good went there. And now they do murder mystery weekends and all sorts of 1930s oh, themed oh, weekends there. Lovely. It looks amazing. Yeah. Um, but it, it has a really interesting interesting history, and it's Art Deco, and I love Art Deco. Beautiful. So. Um, and then we finally get the actual exposition about Tink because Olive tells. Love Joy about Cuthbert, who's oh, there. Oh, yeah. Well, before that, though, sorry. Oh, sorry, go on. No, you missed the bit where. Well. <laughs> so um, we see, so one of the one of the guests for the model train weekend, this train buff, is kind of like lo- loitering around again in typical Love Joy style. This like mysterious man starts appearing and loitering around. Oh, also, we must say, it's Kenneth Cope, who I thought was massively underused, like completely underused in this episode. Like, I was like, oh my God, it's Marty Hopkirk. I'm so yeah, excited. He, yeah, and he's a, he's a dodgy character. Um, so, um, do you know who stayed there in 1965? Was it the Beatles? It was the Beatles. Of course, Carry on. Was, my darlings. Anyway, sorry, um, Kevin. So, yes, the train bus lurking. And so and actually, they, they sort of see him lurking around. So basically, Tink and Lovejoy decide to go down to the basement to look for stuff to sell, to make money. Mm-hmm. And they see this guy lurking around. They're like, oh, maybe he's just got a bit lost or whatever. But clearly, he's meant to be dodgy. He's dodge. And then we see, um, as we mentioned, Beth and Charlotte heading off to Big Brew on Sea with Charlotte's beautiful luggage to the beautiful hotel. And then... <laughs> Beth basically guilt trips Charlotte into letting her come along, yeah. which I was quite sweet. And then, yes, we learn about um, the history of um, the family, like you say, Cuthbert, etc. This was really sad. So this, the conversation between Olive and Lovejoy, I think, is one of the sort of deepest moments yeah. in, in all of Lovejoy, don't you think? Yeah, she says, She says. Uh, well, first of all, she gives Tink's full name, Archibald Bertram Devere, 
and that he was um, a serious boy, awfully clever, and she was the light-hearted one um, mm-hmm. when they were growing up kind of thing. Um, I don't know why I've not written anything down about Cuthbert. <laughs> so he was Roger's grandfather and he started the hotel, uh, or, you know, founded the hotel, which has then been inherited by, obviously, Roger's father and then Roger. So it's yeah. a family business, but they've now sort of run into the ground a little bit. The bit that makes me sad, so she says that the father was an alcoholic, which explains a lot about Tinker, and that, obviously, Tinker was very serious, but, quote, turned himself into an eccentric for protection. And you understand now why he's he's basically just been playing a part his entire life. Yeah. But the fact that is the fact that their father was and 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 it isn't explicitly said. You wonder if it was either a violent family or just a completely you know perhaps it was more just that they had money and they didn't have money and that kind of thing or neglected. There's probably a whole world of things that could have come out of the fact he's an alcoholic. But it's really, I think, to get an insight into somebody who is actually quite who is eccentric and you realise the entire thing is a cover. Yeah. Yeah. It, I thought this was the, one of the deepest conversations in all and of I, and Maybe I think, I'm overthinking no, it. No, I don't think you are overthinking it. I think there's something to be said for it. We've all got friends who are a little bit weird, apart from me, which is strange, and then I realise it's because it's me. Um, and, but your, your weird friends are, are kind of weird for a reason. Like They're not doing yeah. it because it's funny or because, well, you know, you might be playing it for laughs sometimes, but often it's because... It is a protection and it yeah. is a, a way of being in the world that makes the world more accessible to you or easier to deal with. But actually, um, it, more commonly, I tell you, it, comedians do it all the time, it, not by dressing up eccentrically or whatever, but yeah. people who hide. I think it's a reason why a lot of comedians do have, you know, there's the joke about all comedians have mental health problems. But actually... But they do. They do, because <laughs> so many comedians have learned to use humour as a way yeah. to hide what's actually going on yeah poor tink oh and then i i'm confused at this so we what happens next is that tink decides to break into the the train buffs as well he's not really a train buff the dodgy lurking around guy's room yeah the no coward suite the no coward suite yeah i'm not quite sure why he decides to do that because at this point i mean we've seen the guy lurking around a bit but I don't know why Tink decided to break into yeah, his Yeah, I was a bit confused because I thought Tink was still looking for stuff that might be worth something. But I didn't mm. know why he didn't just wait for that place to come free. Or maybe he thought it was free in there and he just went in and had a nose around. Well, it's a bit weird that he chooses that room. I don't know. Anyway, or maybe he's just going in all the rooms. That's a good point just to see yeah. what's yeah. there. Maybe that's it. So he goes into the room and we find out, we realise it's the, it's the dodgy lurking around guy's room. We learn his name is John Aiken. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, so Tink's in the room and then... John comes back and Tink sort of hides behind the curtain. And <laughs> yeah, John rather unsuccessfully. Him, yeah. <laughs> and there's quite a fu- sort of, it's a funny scene in a way, but it's interesting because as, as we've been saying, like I um, love John and Oliver having this really deep and meaningful conversation outside. And then in the background, you can see Tink on the balcony of John Aiken's room. Desperately trying to get their attention. This was quite funny. Sort of like, get away from him. There was something very Shakespearean about the fact we've just had the deeply serious conversation and then they immediately intersperse a little bit of humour into it. Yeah. 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 And you feel feel quite... Because you feel like this guy, because he's been lurking around, he's clearly dodgy, you think he could be quite dangerous. And so actually, although it's kind of funny sort of seeing Tink in the background trying to get their attention from the balcony, you're also like, oh my God, like this guy could... He's stuck in there with him. Yeah, do some serious damage. But actually in the end, you know, this guy is not really dangerous. He's just... He's like... Interesting because he's a debt collector, so we find out basically mm. he works for someone who buys debts, and he yeah. then, who is obviously looking to buy the debts and make money off the um, financial problems that Roger and Oliver are having. 
and there's planning permission to build something else there or something so he's they're going to make money from that but he's not actually like although you would might see sometimes those kind of people debt collectors etc as being a bit potentially violent or dangerous Mm. this guy isn't at all really tink just manages to like get away and just go off and that then it's all fine Yeah. So in a way, it's like there's a bit of peril, but then it's all fine. Implied peril, but then there isn't yeah. actually peril. Yeah. Potential peril. Because Lovejoy kind of confronts him then, confronts the debt collector guy, John Aiken, and just says, just go now. Leave the Yeah, he just throws him, and then, just and then throws him just, out, basically. And then he just goes. So yeah. you know what I mean? It's not like... It's actually... This is why I thought it was so... I mean, it's not like this is a small-time actor, but he can't cope. I really thought, like, there's going to be more here. He's going to come back. It's going to be bigger. There's going to be more stuff. Maybe it's because I very recently watched Carry On At Your Convenience. <laughs> so <laughs> I had him in the front of my mind. But I was still kind of like, oh, is that it? I felt a bit mm. let down by that. And yeah, think, anyway. But I think that because John Aiken goes off on the ferry from the island and I think the hottie from the pub is the ferry operator. Yeah. Oh, possibly. Can I say, it's not a it's not a ferry. It is, because I always want, I was telling Emma about this before you joined. I always wanted to go on this. It's a sea tractor. Oh. So it basically just drives through the... Because because this is an island that is accessible at low tide, but not accessible at high tide. At high tide, you either have to get a boat or this funny thing, which is basically a... It's, it's basically a tractor that drives through the fairly shallow waters. And I always wanted to go on it. And we were in the hotel. We didn't stay in the hotel. We were staying mm. in this random rental place up yeah. the road. And um, I really wanted to go on it. Let's go back on that. Oh, yeah, mum says, oh, yes, we'll, we'll go back on that, um, you know, later on. And then uh, my dad wanted another pint. So the tide had gone down enough oh, so that sad. they just said, oh, you can walk back. Oh, I was really annoyed with my dad. All the rest of the day I was annoyed with my dad because I didn't get to go in that tea I'm thing. annoyed with him on your behalf. Yeah, that yeah. is annoying. <laughs> um, so he goes off and then getting off the sea tractor. So John Aiken's getting on and getting off is the band for... There's like a sort of gala yes. evening for the, um, for the model train dudes. And um, the band arrives, but uh, Olive's very disappointed because she's sure it's meant to be a quartet and it's just a trio. But this is great because it's an excuse for Tink to be the fourth member and to play the piano. Oh, it was, it was oh, lovely, was really wasn't it? This was the bit that really reminded me of going to jazz weekends, actually, because it was exactly the same. It was so cute. And then, um, and, and then Lovejoy comes along to dinner in his dinner jacket and uh, and jeans. You know, it's a black tie yeah, dinner, but, but he looks just good. A lot not. of people can't pull that off. Why is it that Lovejoy always looks incredibly sexy when know. he's wearing that, whereas Jeremy Clarkson looks like a dick? <laughs> well, it's because Jeremy Clarkson's doing it maybe 20 years too late. I feel yeah, like maybe. Lovejoy was maybe the only person who was... Yeah. Well, I, you know, I don't know. I didn't go to dinner parties in the 90s, I say, as though I go to them now. No, no. Um, <laughs> but, yeah... So, um, so yeah, so Lovejoy exactly has got his amazing black tie. And then Charlotte turns up, obviously. She must... I love oh, how she's just, she just like, happens to have this, incredible. like... Incredible. Just happens to have an evening gown just with her. <laughs> she, and it's. I think it's a jumpsuit. I think it's trousers. I just I loved so. it. It, it looked oh, it like it. Anyway. Yeah. And diamonds in her, like, diamond hair clip that matches her earrings, that matches her brooch. It's just stunning. It was you just see stunning. why I really wanted to be her yeah, as a, as a teenager, beautiful. don't you? Oh, my God, she's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> is it Charlotte who says, you may have been a bit off-colour, but what about your friends? Yeah, Charlotte's, oh, not, it... Charlotte's not very... Um, so Charlotte's there, obviously, looking hot, but she talks to Tink, and she's obviously very cross with him about the key. 
but she's not very sympathetic to him. Like, yeah, she's not very understanding. Not at all. Considering she, she was him, earlier on. Yeah, she yeah. does a little bit. And it, I, I thought that was a shame. And given that she was the one who said, you two are friends, why don't you talk like women do? That doesn't really... It jarred a little bit with me that she was then being like that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was a bit... And then so I think Tink then goes off again feeling quite sad, which is exactly what led him to go to Devon. Yeah, in the first place. But then, and then all over it is Love, Joy and Charlotte's snog. So after, you know, like, they seem to be getting it back on. It's so off and on, isn't it? Because, like, I feel Charlotte like... Charlotte managed to... Yeah. I don't know how Charlotte did this. Oh, I suppose she took... What, what's his name? Aiken's room? Because Charlotte's got a yes. suite in the hotel. Because Lovejoy's like, well, you can't stay with me and Tink because we're literally like... She's got shed. the knockout suite. Yes, <laughs> yeah. she does. She says, oh, it actually says that. just became available. Yeah, and then um, so she's kind of like, you can stay with me in my suite, big snogs in the romantic yeah, so English Riviera. And then, and then in the meantime, Tink goes to the pub where Beth is with the hottie. Oh, <laughs> lucky Beth! And then, um, yeah, and then like Lovejoy and Charlotte are about to get it on. She's inviting him back to her suite, but then he basically Lovejoy has a sort of revelation about Tom. A revelation, Cocker. yeah. I mean, he does this all the time. Maybe this is why they're on and off again. Because if I was sort of seeing somebody casually or whatever, and every time we were about to take it to the next level, he went, wait! No, that's Midsummer Murders. Some sort of tinkly divvy music and ran yeah. off. I'd be furious. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah. okay, you know what? I mean, Forget it. It's a bit, because they're like, oh, because basically the revelation is, oh, Tom Crocker, you know, obviously made loads of money from smuggling and apparently hid it somewhere. And Lovejoy was like, well, where is it? Oh, it must be on the island somewhere. If we can find that money, and that mm. will solve all the problems. Then that will sort it out. Yeah. is it going to be enough money from, like, how many years ago? Is it is it actually money, like notes? Is that yeah. going to be worth anything? Um, who would it belong to? Wouldn't it belong to, like, the descendants of Tom Crocker? <laughs> not, like, yeah. people who... Ha- I mean, that was just, like... People who happen to but find it not, in a wall. But yeah. it's not Tom Crocker's treasure, is it, in the end? It's no, not, it isn't. They actually find treasure. something else, yeah. which is fine. As a plan, it doesn't really work. But, yeah. Um, there's a secret passage to the cave. I've written here, secret passage to cave. What does that mean? Maybe you mean the pub. I mean, No, well, no, no. There were caves. They talked about caves being around and they, everybody had been looking for buried treasure. They assume that it's in the caves with the aforementioned caves, which uh, <laughs> I remember exploring when I was a kid because there were loads, loads of caves around there. And... Um, uh, they said, well, people have been looking for it for years. They can't find it. It's obviously, it either doesn't exist or it's so well hidden you're never going to find it. Yeah. But they're assuming that there is treasure in the caves and there's some secret passage somewhere to get to yeah. you know, wherever it is that it's hidden. But no one knows where that is. But so instead, though, they go to the pub and for some reason they have a, another revelation. <laughs> the idea of, I'm just going to go to the pub instead. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, and they, they have this... Again, the revelation, not quite sure where it comes from, that the sort of supposed face in the fireplace, like, what is he looking at? And they follow his gaze. I mean, yeah. this is like some... <laughs> this was a little bit, at this point, it, it's like a picture's going, I don't know, I don't know. Can, can uh, you uh, imagine uh. if we were just sat in the pub and then this random man in a dinner jacket and jeans bursts in, stares at the fireplace for two minutes and then goes, give me a sledgehammer... And, and just starts, starts at the wall, takes a picture off the wall and starts thumping it yeah, down. So I'd be like, um, landlord, landlord. Yeah, excuse me. <laughs> so there's a picture of a train. So obviously that's to do with the model trains. And, you know, so they take the picture of the wall, start smashing in the wall, as you do. And they find this bluebird toffee tin. And it's oh, full of it's like lovely. sort of memorabilia from the 19s. It's got it's full of stuff that got nicked. Yes, this is the bit that it's confused me because I could understand of... that Cuthbert. Um, so, so Roger's uh, grandfather, I guess, um, or father. Grandfather. Um, was a bit of a rogue. Had, 
I could understand, like, we'd heard that he was a little bit on the dodge side, so I could kind of understand that he'd collated, for want of better words, all this stuff, put it in a tin and hidden it in the pub. But surely it is nicked. I well, mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's nicked, isn't stuff it? that people had left behind in the hotel, but even so, you might return it to your You'd guests. still return it, surely. It's still their property. I left my laptop cover in a, in a hotel once, and they posted it back to me. And it was just I'm cover. sure the finder's keeper's rule doesn't apply. Yeah. To, <laughs> it's, got, it's got Noel Coward's cufflinks in it. It's got Noel Coward, a, a first page of a novel by Agatha Christie, lots of letters, and then, hilariously, a bracelet that's got a little paper <laughs> label saying, property of... <laughs> Wallace, Wallace Simpson. Simpson, but like just literally a label that anyone could have. That's put. a little bit like when you're at school and you have to you have to sew your name into like your knickers so that when you have <laughs> swimming class, no one else accidentally wears your knickers. Yes, yeah, so Wallace Simpson. Isn't it? Like, this one's the only thing that I could think of is you know how sometimes a jeweler will lend somebody well known or famous they'll lend diamonds or whatever to them to wear to an event mm. and so they have to kind of be insured and looked after and they maybe have their own bodyguard that's separate from the person it did make me think well i wonder if she borrowed them from a jeweler and that's why there's a tag on it and then i thought i'm overthinking this yeah. <laughs> she borrowed them from a jeweler it would have the jeweler's name on it wouldn't it yeah yeah property. good point good so, I mean, point you know basically i don't think that's going to go down as a provenance you know, yeah. at, at, at Sotheby's, you know, like a little label saying... Oh, but it had, a, it, had its, had a name on it. <laughs> so that's the next hilarious bit is they say, oh, it's great, we've got this stuff now. We'll take it to Suffolk and, and get the... And sell it on. <laughs> we'll sell take it to... Because that's where the biggest market is for Wallace Simpson's, you know... <laughs> Stolen bracelet. <laughs> they actually say, we'll take it to Suffolk and get the best price we can. It's like, no, take In it Suffolk. to London. Take it to Paris take or, to, you know... <laughs> so, I don't think Suffolk... New York. Like... <laughs> I would think New York would be the place for all of this, though, because of the sort of, you know, the international nature of all of it. And, and yeah, New York or maybe London Maybe they'll use Suffolk as a base and Cavendish Antiques as their way. This is why I got a little bit annoyed by it, because, you know, then we find out that um, there's no resolution, basically. We don't know if they do sell the stuff. And also Mm. we find out that Roger has sold his... Roger has sold his train set, which is really sad, for 15 grand. Bear in mind, that's like half what they owe. So if they can do that, then surely they probably could just find other bits and pieces to to sell. And I think as well, like, he did do the right thing. Like, it was kind of his fault that they'd run it into the ground, wasn't it? So Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he needs to get some... And you do wonder, though, I had so many unanswered (laughs) questions, though, about this actually so why he's obviously in touch with olive but why hasn't he seen her for 20 years because they're obviously still in touch and that's sort of never not that we need to know and again it's sort of i guess part of the secretive nature but it seems a shame because they do seem quite close in a in a way um and also actually what is the big plan for the hotel because is he going to just carry on running it into the ground and eventually they're going to plow through the money there's like no resolution it really annoys me and and at the very end the sort of like big sort of ending is like you know like Tinker says something like there's always a silver lining and then they're like the lining lining and it's like the key is in his jacket and that's where the key is that that seemed unlikely to me as well there were a lot of things do you know what this is the annoying thing I was going to give this a really high mark and now that we've gone over it with a fine tooth comb there's so many things that are irritating about this episode and it's silly because they're all very small and as a whole i love the like, episode would... and this was voted the favorite episode yeah, people, on our, by people our loved this on twitter people they? love this on on the I, twitter i really enjoyed the like i say i really enjoyed like the pacing and the actual genu- genuine intrigue of like what's happened to Tink, where has he gone mm. what, you know what's going on who is olive etc like and that was all very well done i think 
Um, but yeah, then the ending for me was just a bit like, I kind of wanted a bit more of a resolution, particularly as we probably never see Olive again. It's not like, yeah. it's not like she's going to, this story will be continued in the next yeah. episode. It won't. So I kind of wanted to know. Oh, it sort of does oh. at the very end. Oh. It does come back actually so we we do get some level of resolution you get the feeling that this is the meeting that reignites their kind of sibling relationship um it it just seemed slightly implausible about i suppose because he goes he goes to help her and maybe he does start to feel guilt about well hang on there's my sister she's struggling i haven't actually seen her for years I guess the implication is that they don't really see each other because their childhood was so painful that they but, yeah. he has cut himself off from it. He's completely reinvented himself. He's gone away yeah. from it. And also, um, the older you get, the quicker 20 years goes. But also, because exactly. like, it's only been 20 years. It's not been like their whole life. Um, yeah. But but it does it does come back at the, at the very, very end, which I think is the most beautiful resolution, the fact that at the very, very end... You, yeah, you find out what has happened to this relationship. So in a few episodes time, oh, okay. what's happened to this relationship and the place. So that's really uh, interesting. Okay. I mean, I'm still going to give it a fairly high mark. I mean, I, I am as well, but partly because it they then came back to it at the I very, think very end. if I hadn't have watched and dissected the last however many episodes, 60 episodes or whatever of Lovejoy, and I was just coming to it and it was one of the first ones that I'd watched, I think mm. I probably would have given it sort of a six or a seven but I think because I'm so invested in the characters and I, I didn't need to to have, I, like, I, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? It didn't need any kind of clunky exposition to get me where I was going. I know Tink is a bit eccentric. I know that um, Lovejoy doesn't talk about his feelings, whatever it is. Mm. Um, so I'm going to give it an eight, I think. I really liked it. And, and I, I love the story, like, the actual story of the island and the locations were beautiful and i really like jake he's getting an extra point in there do you know he was in his 30s i thought he looked younger anyway (laughs) (laughs) so yeah eight from me i'm giving it an 8.5 because it's one of those episodes in lovejoy that really does touch on mental health and the dangers of you know, holding stuff back yeah. and, and what we share with our friends and what we don't and how we choose to present ourselves. And I mean, you you could write a thesis about this actually, yeah. and just the way these how damaged all these characters are. And I just I thought that was really really interesting actually. And I also like how historically accurate it is. Yeah, there's so much history in this, and when you look it up, every single thing. You know, the the pilchard in Israel they didn't change the name of the pub. Tom Crocker was real. All the people who Even stayed in the hotel Easter were real. Even that Easter egg we just literally found out about twenty minutes ago. Archie the Archie one was real. Brilliant. I, I mean, it, it is beautiful. I think the way they did it was absolutely beautiful. Also, Tinker's a really good pianist. I liked yes. that. Did yes. you know? I, I thought that was you're seeing this other side of him. You're seeing him in a a different environment where you're seeing yeah. him as a different person without without all of the kind of makeup and the you know the yeah, yeah. the sort of frippery. So I'm going to give it an eight point five. And it would have been a nine if it hadn't been for these irritating loose ends that didn't quite. Yeah, I think tie I, I feel similar. So I'm going to give it an eight. I really enjoyed it. I kind of enjoyed it more at the beginning, and then I think once we kind of you know, got the exposition and we knew what was happening. It all just went a bit... Like, there was a few things yeah. that just didn't quite ring true for me. Like, why is Charlotte still so mean to Tink? And yeah. Like, all the yeah, that didn't Little work. bits and pieces. But I, but it was... There were lots of enjoyable things. And actually, yeah. when I was watching it, I didn't know that Burr Island and Big Brion Sea are real places. <laughs> so I think that added a lot to me. Once I found that out, I was like, oh, okay. This makes a lot more sense that you've used this kind of real scenario to kind of build something on which yeah, I really yeah, liked yeah. and so I enjoyed it more knowing that 
And there are lots of myths around it, you know, whereby it would not be implausible at all if some somebody suddenly found a bracelet belonging to <laughs> yeah. Wallace Simpson or, you know, all of these people basically ran away to this island at yeah. various stages. And then Tinker does it as well. I love it. And then Tinker does yeah. it as well. And, it, and it's gorgeous. I, I do love it. Did we learn anything? <sighs> I learned something. Go on. It's quite sad, though. <laughs> I learned that. I'm, I don't know. I'm laughing. I I learned that just because I'm having a bad week, where I've like maybe got a couple of things wrong and things feel like they're sliding rapidly downhill, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to turn into like full blown depression again. Like mm. actually, sometimes I'm just going to have a bad week and get things wrong, and nobody shouted at me and told me I was useless or um, had a go at me once I'd cheered up again for being miserable. Yeah, luckily you don't have Lovejoy as a boss. Yes, so I think I learned that I'm very lucky with my colleagues and with my boss, um, even though obviously they drive me up the wall sometimes because that's what your work work colleagues do. But I think, um, yeah, I think I learned that um, you can have a bad week and it's fine, you don't have to run off to an island to definitely like Agatha Christie even if you really really want to you don't have to and your friends will worry about you if you do at least I hope you would although when she was running away from Archie she actually went to Harrogate on that occasion by the way which is someone we've also been to we've all run away to Harrogate (laughs) and Birmingham maybe yeah so that's um, that's what that's what I learned I think I don't feel like I necessarily learned anything but I did watch this with very different eyes as an adult who has (laughs) <laughs> suffered with really severe depression and also but as also as an adult who's reconciled with family and has yeah. a very awkward family past where as a kid I watched this and was like oh it's sad the older man is sad and like yeah. I watched it very much on face value and I found the historical stuff quite interesting as a as a kid as an adult I found watching this sort of almost painful like in a it was I, I watched it with very very different eyes given yeah. my own slightly weird yeah. past which is not learning anything at all. It's just learning that I'm perhaps take things, perhaps I overthink things a little bit. That's what I've learned. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I again, I don't think I necessarily learned this, but it did make me reflect on the fact that you know, like it's a bit of a cliche, but that other people are are unknowable. Like we never really yeah. know somebody else's inner. That's life, a very good point. You know, in the way that we think that we do. So, like Lovejoy and Tinker would describe themselves as very good friends, and in lots of ways they are, and they do know a lot of things about each other and share a lot of secrets I'm sure between them about things that they've done um mm. but actually even so there's this whole hinterland of stuff that yeah. they don't know about each other and, yeah, and they're, but they're, absolutely but they're, and never will but they, and yeah and even though it's unknown it in this episode it does kind of come in and like affect their current relationship so I mean sometimes because people don't really know it about themselves I mean we we all yeah. create a persona and then you have that moment where I remember, I think I might have said this on the podcast before, I remember at my wedding having a slight panic because I realised that I had lots of different groups who'd attended my wedding and some were from my family, some were from my husband's family and then there were friends and there were like, I had friends from like chaplaincy and friends from LGBT stuff and I thought, oh my God, all these people are going to meet and realise that they all know a completely different me. Oh wow! <laughs> and and yeah. I didn't. And 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 at no point had I been disingenuous with any of those people. They just all knew a different side. Well, that's we, it. we we subconsciously are are different with different yeah. groups. We show a different side of yeah. ourselves. And so this was really interesting because it, 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 Tinker has all these multiple sides to him, but we all do actually. Yeah. yeah. 
really interesting. Um, to lighten the mood, I would just like to say for my antique yeah, of the week, do. I really want Charlotte's uh, matching set of hair slides and earrings and they were beautiful they were lovely stars and i'm sure they were diamonds and they i'm were. actually sure they were real because they just looked absolutely gorgeous i thought they were brilliant um and i wanted to get in there first before you two said you wanted them <laughs> I, I my antique of the week is the phone card <laughs> we didn't actually explain what a phone card is oh one, yeah so, i know it's like a prepaid card that you could put in so you and I actually still remember my phone card number. Oh, wow. 779877791. Because <laughs> you, you wow. had to, like, put it in. And the pit... Put it in first, And yeah. the pin was 4443. Oh, wow. I can't believe you can remember that. Yeah. But you put it in, like, a public phone box so, or a yeah, phone you, box exactly, that was yeah. in you picked up, you put a the public phone, place. Yeah, so you picked up the phone and you put those numbers in and then, you, and then it would charge your... It wasn't prepaid, actually. It was postpaid. You would charge your, yeah. it would charge your phone bill. Your yeah, home yeah. Phone bill. yeah. I had a phone card because we, we used to go on. Um, I used to go on choir courses, so you'd be away from home as a teenager for like a week or two. And I remember everybody queuing for the one phone I, and whatever. It was always some independent I, school I, we I were did, staying. I did not have card. a phone card at oh, all. I, did, yeah. I, I don't. And I remember other people having them, and me thinking, "Wow, I can't believe they've got one of those." It's the they height of sophistication rich. having a phone card. It was. <laughs> But it wasn't that they were rich, it's just that their parents wouldn't have minded them charging calls to their phone, yeah. whereas my parents did not like that idea. Well, I think that's because we definitely weren't rich, but I think my mum realised she'd have to give me money for the phone anyway, and it was better yeah. Yeah. better to be that than to be stranded. Because I, I lived in the middle of nowhere, yeah. I was relying on buses yeah, yeah. to go, and, you know, it was kind of, like, necessary oh, to have some way of contacting home. I, and I, I was very sensible, so I didn't abuse it, but I'm sure there was, well, there was definitely potential <laughs> yeah, I for it would to be have... abused. I would have been ringing America and all sorts. Yeah, Who whereas, knows what yeah, I would have been whereas doing. you know, I was a very sensible <laughs> child who only used it for. I did once use my phone card to ring the operator to ask for Ian McShane's phone number <laughs> <laughs> when I was thirteen, and they didn't give it to me. Funnily enough, he was ex-directory. Funnily enough, he was ex-directory. I tried. I tried. I was like, I think he lives in Chelsea. <laughs> we did. We ran. Yeah. No, it was. Uh... Um, I'm surprised none of you I know I did actually do that and then I felt really guilty and I remember spending weeks worrying that my mum would know I'd done it and somehow be really angry I thought you were going to say that the police would come round and be like why are you trying to stalk you no no um, I'm surprised none of you chose anything from the toffee box because there was so much to choose from it was too late I'd already chosen the stars I liked although I was torn because I felt that I ought to have the train set because my long-suffering husband who puts up with me doing this actually really between him and David would just have a ball with that train set (laughs) David would be able to tell me my friend David about every aspect of that train set but in the end I went for the Paris crystal bracelet because it was absolutely beautiful I love jewelry like that and so I would have that I'm glad neither of you chose that because that's definitely why what I wanted um so so if we've sounded a little bit quieter or on a different vibe this this episode (laughs) it's partly because of the content of the episode um, yes. But it's also because our recording schedule, we've had to move it around a bit because next episode we we've have. got some guests, which is really <laughs> exciting. We're very guests. excited about our guests. But as Polly said earlier, if you have been affected by any of the issues we've discussed today, um, then I did write down, if you're in the UK, don't forget, if you feel a bit crap, and if you feel a bit 
rubbish and you think well I can't be depressed because I don't really feel sad I just don't really feel anything or well, guess what that probably means you're a bit depressed so <laughs> um, I wrote down the number for the Samaritans here in the UK which is always free to call it's 116123 or you can email joe at samaritans.org it's just j-o joe um, and if you're a man and you feel rubbish, I highly suggest that you Google um, the campaign against living miserably, calm, because they're focused on on male mental health. And we love you all, listeners. Yeah. We do, we do, absolutely. And we want you to um, feel all right. And we've just been through a dreadful year, all of us, across the world. Um, and yeah. we still haven't really come out of restrictions here in, here in London. So we've not been seeing our friends. Even if we never shared anything with our friends anyway. Maybe, maybe this episode is your... Even is if your we were key. men. Even if we were boys. <laughs> But yeah, so come and follow us online. We'll probably tweet those yeah. resources as well. I we think. will definitely. We'll um, tw- tweet them and then we'll tweet them again. Yeah, because so, we do care about you. Yeah, so that's at Lovejoy Apod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, or join us on our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash Lovejoy actually. Um, and I think that's it from us. Yep, that's it. Thank you for listening. See you for a very exciting next episode. <sighs> yes, okay. see you bye soon. Bye, listeners. I don't know why bye. I'm waving. Bye, 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 bye. 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 Let's tell